I I really can't watch Ricky Gervais's Afterlife because I'll blob. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fair rock, rock star club. Well, there's an important point there. I don't know if you've wa- you haven't watched it because no. you would. I guarantee you will blub. Mm. I blubbed two, three times, but I did so against my. I felt like I was being manipulated into the blubbing. He's pulling your strings. He knows what he's he, doing. It's very. It's laid on very thick. The the music is very kind of emotive. Tug, heart, yeah, heartstring tugging, and nothing really happens. I was a bit kind of. I mean, I cried, so I must have been emotionally invested, but. I didn't feel like, compared to like The Office, which is all about the detail and the nuance, and there's the realism, this, this doesn't quite... It's obviously, I mean, it's still powerful because it made me be nice to my wife really? <laughs> for, for one night. Oh. <laughs> Do you think it's the same as Derek? Because I, when I watched Derek, I felt the same way. Like, I know he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like, the music particularly and the kind of... Playing, tugging in your heartstrings yeah. moments. It's, it's cut from the same cloth. It's as kind that. of like all these kind of things that you know people will kind of feel emotion about. Tick, 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 yeah. tick. It's, it's very on the nose. It's kind of if you're looking to do an emotional scene and you play "Fix You" by Coldplay, yeah, like it does in Derek. It's like mm-hmm. I mean, it all makes sense, but it just it just is too kind of obvious. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's, cry. This is where you cry. Yeah, well, it's you kind of and, and you still do it as well. Well, yeah, always because. A human being, okay, yeah. I've got feelings, yeah, <laughs> and especially when music is involved. Well, he put he, he learnt that trick a little bit, doesn't he, in the office with the bit with the music. What is what is Tim, uh, Tim and Dawn's who kiss? hasn't? Oh, I'm not putting that in. Could make noises. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's the art of directing, isn't it? That's what horror films do. If you watch a horror film about the sound on it, it's not scary. Yeah, but it's just it's, it's too obvious. I like my to be. I notice the music too much. You know okay, what I mean? The, yeah, the music yeah. should complement the yeah, yeah. the visuals rather than because he's like, picking songs that are like yeah that you that he knows are going to make me cry specifically. He's he's probably doing it for me. I thought yeah, particularly for you. He did like one of your messages once. So. <laughs> That's true. He definitely knows you exist. But he does, he's quite a he's a regular for. I think everyone must have had their tweets liked by Gervais at some point. Not that guy that keeps calling him a pedo. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. It's funny. Uh, so, everyone, welcome to. Yep. Sorry, sorry you can say something about. I was going to say we. I don't think we've introduced ourselves for the last no. month, <laughs> but you were probably about to do that. So uh, I won't stop you. I didn't write that. I was going to write that. No. Uh, this is a podcast that talks to musicians about mental health, positive well-being, um, their journey in music, and also fashion. A little splash of fashion. Uh, yeah. So we're called the Failed Rockstar Club. And Jez, who are we and where are we? So, hello. I'm Jez. And that's Stephen Robert Hurdleby, I was. We're in Manning Tree, which in many ways is the cultural centre of the universe in my, in my book. Uh, here are the Best Days Warehouse, the epicentre of our business. Uh, it's just a skeleton staff running it, still in lockdown. Mm-hmm. But, you know, happy to be here. I've, I've come through a bit of a, 
bit. I had, this week, I think, has been the toughest for me, lockdown wise. Okay. And I, I got the I got the impression for a lot of people it was. I just, I mean, I've got no evidence for this. Really, just going a little bit by social media, a little bit from talking to people. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like this was this was maybe the I'm hoping the low point. Everyone's low. It kind of feels like the middle of it now. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know if that's a hump or a, a ditch. Dip. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know. Depends on your philosophy. But it, it felt like my my dip because I've been I've been okay at the point. It, it was very much like the novelty had worn off. Not getting enough sleep, that kind of thing. Just the Groundhog Day feeling of you know not no surprises. Got to me last week. Okay. But I'm fine now. What's your song? So uh, this Have week's you know song. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Well, I was going to pick. This is a low. The blur song. Yeah. But I realised we. I pretty much pick Blur or Radiohead every week, and it's got to be it's got to be some variety. Uh, so I'm going to pick uh, the Suburbs by Arcade Fire because, on a separate note to what I've been talking about, really, but the, I've really felt a sense of community from where I live. I'm lucky enough to live in a nice kind of suburby, new buildy type place, which I know new builds often lack character, but I'm going to go on record as saying mine's got character. Mostly because it's got old trees and stuff and some old buildings that mm-hmm. they've kept from what was there before. Yep. An old mental home, in fact. But yep. <laughs> don't need to dwell on that. But they're, like, we, we got home from a walk the other day and somebody in, on the uh, development had hidden all these toys. Council estate. The estate. Yeah, the estate. <laughs> you want to be posh stops. You posh stops. That's what the estate. Yeah, I almost said estate. Or development. Yeah. Well, it just sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> Anyway, the point Stop. is, we found this like matchbox car that was just next to a little post, kind of hidden. And we're like, somebody dropped this. I went on the like sort of Facebook mm-hmm. page for the for the estate, yeah. <laughs> the estate, my country estate, and it turned out some yeah, some guy had just hidden a load of sweets and toys all around for for kids to go and do a little bit of a treasure hunt around oh. around the estate. I thought that was it was so nice. Yeah. And then somebody else had dug this a chunk out of a tree and made a little fairy door and his like regularly hiding things in there and kind of like there's lots of stuff going on and we'd we'd outside our the front of our house we up kind of these aren't pedos are they well I've got no reason to think that they yeah. are I don't know why your mind <laughs> some people are just nice yeah. have you not heard Doubt Shout Not Kill by Scroobius Pip yes I have yep yeah well listen to him uh, but yeah we had all these chalk drawers we'd like left these like chalks outside the house and we invited people to like do little drawings mm-hmm. and we'd, we'd done some you know clap to the NHS stay safe all this all these messages and stuff and loads of people had done it and then last night of course it rained for the first stop time stop graffiti over the road yeah, <laughs> yeah. the uh, rain has washed it all away and I was sad this morning because okay. people had left lovely messages oh. people had put like oh this really made our day today thanks very much and all this stuff it, oh. it really that sense of community yeah and You've got a lot of families around your way there, it must be. Yeah, it's all, it's mostly young families. And so yeah. it was, yeah, something for, because people are just walking around the block. And so something for the kids to do for 10 minutes is a real, speaking from experience, is a real fucking bonus. Uh, but on the subject of Arcade I was, th- I was as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, has there been a better first three albums than Arcade Fire's first three? Is a question I'd like to put to you, Steve and Robert Hurdle, and you, the audience. Mm. Just think, I, I think they went off the boil after that, but the first three, for me, are all masterpieces. Masterpieces? Yeah, masterpieces, that's right. Three albums. One, and, one and three, I think, specifically. Maybe two's not a... Mar- Neon, Neon, Neon Bible. Oh, that's good. Which is great, yeah, I know. Well, yeah. I, I 
called it a masterpiece a second ago. Yeah. I'm backtracking a little bit. Mm. But I think one of the three, yeah. Suburbs is just every, every song is... I like the concept of it, and that funeral album is just... And I feel like, you know how Radiohead seem to have transcended the generations? Mm-hmm. Like, so I see our customers and kids yeah. bang into Radiohead, but I don't see too many going on about Arcade Fire. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know if they've kind of fallen through the cracks. I don't know because they're still together and they're still making... Mm. I don't know. First three albums. But I think, yeah, I think for a first three albums, an unbroken run of just absolute... Quality. Quality. You'd be hard pushed. Because some, you know, if you think of Radiohead, like their first album was... Beauty's in the eye of the beholder there, isn't it? Well, of course. Because I was going to say Idol World. Ooh. But... Maybe the first album is great, but is it? It's not really a masterpiece. I don't listen to it as much as the rest of the them. other two are. I thought two they started to, are. two and three is where they start to find really yeah. find. It's like because they were quite young in the first one. Yeah, so, and yeah, it's very punky and kind of yeah. It's got some bangers on it. Yeah, it's, it's great, and it's what I argue. I see shapes. I mean, yeah, that, that is a tune. But yeah, as an album, it's probably not a masterpiece. Yeah, so remote parties. Yeah, two, two and three in my book. You know, up there with my favourite albums of all time. Mm. And he, they're doing a uh, one of the, you know we were talking about the Tim's yep. Twitter listening party. Idlewild. Idlewild are doing one for 100 Broken Windows. That's oh, the cool. second album. The second album. Yeah. Okay, uh, my song of the week is Michael Jackson "Man in the Mirror." <laughs> sure. Have <laughs> you been checking yourself out a lot? Yeah. <laughs> looking myself in the mirror. Uh, yeah, because obviously this week we've kind of like been stuff at work and all that sort of stuff and asked, being asked to kind of confess my sins a little bit um, so I've been like doing some thinking and some self-reflection self-reflection about me as a person and all that sort of stuff as a business leader so yeah that's kind of been taking up my kind of headspace recently and figuring that one out so yeah that's my song of the week not really much more to say about it really I mean, what do do you want to talk about the conclusions you came to about yourself as a person? Uh, do you, and do you think let's talk about because we you know we're meant to talk about mental health we'd mm-hmm. like to talk about that yeah how do you think it has been helpful and do you think it's something people should do yes oh, I think you, everyone should because surely no one's perfect and unless you're David Beckham uh, so nobody's point. no Good one's point. perfect and you should all basically look at yourself sometimes and think how you are actions are perceived by others because we live in a world where you have communication and relationships with all different people and all of all of us have ways of dealing with things or talking to people or living a life that affect other people that yeah you, I, you care about you might upset people without knowing how you do it i don't think you should worry about how you're perceived by others because if it's, a, if it's just perceived, that suggests that it, no, maybe yeah, it's not true. But yeah, how your actions affect others, okay. def- yeah. definitely. Yeah. Because they, yeah, they might be perceiving you wrongly and for, it's for whatever reason. Yeah, because yeah, communication is like a funny old thing, isn't it, really? The message out is not the message received sometimes. But also it's difficult to know, for someone like me that suffers a lot from mental health issues and depression, quite a lot, how much of it is depression like talking like affecting the way you look at yourself as well and how much of it is should be kind of like self-reflection like it's difficult to look at your kind of actions or your way of looking at the world dispassionately 
but it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of it's an interesting journey to go down where you look at yourself and try to look at the way you kind of view things dispassionately well that's the thing Dis- it's very hard to take the passion of course it is out. yeah it's really difficult and the emotion but I listen to like some podcasts again about leadership as well as like in the business as well and figure things out and you can ask yourself you know it's very easy to kind of preach away but then about what people should be doing but you should often also look in the mirror and see how you are as a leader and a person as well. There's a bit, there's a bit of both between like business and also life. But yeah, that's what I've been doing and like trying to anyway. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm too much of a fucking deep thinker. I suppose it depends what you're deep thinking about. Mm. But you can't. Yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, easily, and I do often. I often, I often think, would I've been happier if I was thick. Mm. And didn't didn't think so much about Everything. things. Although you know, I haven't said that I'm a pretty happy person anyway. But yeah, I did. I did often wonder: would being sick be a blessing? In some, mm. You know, they say ignorance is bliss. Yeah. You, I suppose you want a degree of. I don't well, know. It's the, yeah. It's you, I guess you just, yeah. You don't tortured. care about things because you don't understand them. So. You, but it's, yeah, but there's it's all relative again, isn't it? Like intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. It's, it but, goes back to what we spoke about last week about I'll be happy if or I'll be happy when. Yeah. That's a kind of weird way of looking at it. But I, I do try... I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to stare at, look at myself in the mirror too much. Well, Zephy is looking in the mirror physically with those with these tits. But it's... <laughs> Cracking pair. Yeah, but it's... No wonder you do it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I still I think, don't know, really. No. That's pros and cons, like everything. Yeah. Who who would you say in your who do you think is the most content person you know of? Oh, and what's their secret? Sprung this on you? Yeah, right? I, I, I should have thought of my own answer. We'll save that for next week. <laughs> yeah, because I'll go. I'll it's go. hard to know because it, I, probably the person we would think might not be as content as we mm. think they are. I think that's the thing. I'm striving for contentness. That's, I think that's all anybody wants. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need care to be rich. anymore about fucking money. I don't yeah. care anymore about power. All I can, can, can try and care about oh, is to be happy with my lot. And it's a human condition, isn't it, to yep. not want to do that. Yeah. It's also what drives humans to do kind of fucking cool stuff and amazing stuff. Well, to push unhappiness. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's like, yeah, and like that kind of drive to kind of do more and be that's, more. Well, that's where all the great art comes from. Mm. It's from, you know, there's very yeah. few great pieces of art that come from a place of happiness yeah let's be honest I always, I always said that about our I've probably said that on this podcast so I one of the things I put down to how why, why we weren't more successful is that I didn't ever really get my heart broken didn't, haven't really suffered that much tragedy in my life I'm just far too far too well adjusted for great art I'm afraid <laughs> so that's not an invitation to come and run shit me over shit over your <laughs> break my legs or yeah. something Shit on my lovely chalk drawings. Yeah. Let cut deep. But there you go. Yes. So this episode, Jez. Oh, yeah, can I just do my Jez's recommendation oh, of, of the week? We didn't do it last last week. I forgot so to. I've got last week's one right. to okay. do. But uh, <clears throat> Laura, are you familiar down. with Laura Marling? Yep. The female singer songwriter, very good folk guitarist. History Jets. Did a duet with Mystery Jets, famously, yeah. Or well, her new album, which is called Song for Our Daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really good. Okay. Uh, it's an album about. I think it's like written. It's kind of a loose concept. 
being like she doesn't have a daughter it's like an imaginary daughter and it's like she's singing about what she would tell a woman growing up or a girl growing up in the world that, okay. that we live in so it's a really and it's got like it's very it's sort of timeless it sounds like there's little bits of Joni Mitchell in there and <coughs> Carly Simon it reminded me of had that sort of 70s American feel mm-hmm. which I really liked just great melodies and she's got a beautiful voice so yes when did it come out isn't that last week I think okay oh. so it's, it's new okay so my recommendations are all fresh they are yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make an effort to a little known band called Nirvana <laughs> yeah and uh, it smells like teen spirit yeah. <laughs> go and listen to that kids uh, no I'm trying I'm trying to make an effort to here you are no. keep my finger on the pulse yeah vaguely okay uh, so this episode imaginatively called the rehearsal room episode Ooh. why have I called it that well I imagine when you suggested this <clears throat> I think about it and really that's where you spend you spend more time in the rehearsal room than any other aspect of being in a band that's where most of the inverted commas magic happens and the dynamics and also, the uh, yeah, and also the, the worst the worst parts it all goes on in there yeah that's partly why I thought it'd be an interesting episode because this is no one's watching. It's just you guys in the band in a room together, <laughs> yeah. which is often not a big room. And that's true. All sorts of different dynamics kind of go out with those, play out with those relationships, with good stuff happening, bad stuff happening, um, getting on, having a laugh having an argument you spend random amounts of times in there because you can be in there loads or you can be in there for like two or three hours at a time it yeah it sees the the highs and lows doesn't it yep like the probably the best moments of being in a band other than the live stuff is when you you crack a song Mm -hmm. you know when you if you've, maybe someone's brought a song or you're jamming or whatever and you, you have like some kind of breakthrough and you all have that little look at each other and you know something has something has clicked yep. and that is like one of those punch the air moments and it's totally different experience to when you're in a recording studio because there's someone else in there normally the yeah producer. it's literally just yeah those those four or five voices or whatever and this sounds like a really maybe like a say in a sucking eggs question but there might be people out here who don't have never been in a band so what happens in a rehearsal room generally? Talk me through it. Well, in my experience, you seem to spend at least an hour setting up. Yeah. <laughs> that was the really annoying part. The, the, the time where we had our own practice space, so we could leave everything set up, mm-hmm. was that, that was an absolute game changer because it took away all that faff. There's so much faff with being in a band. Fucking equipment. If bands yeah. were just everyone played a recorder or a ukulele, you know, yeah. get so much more done. The the faff of setting up, take that away. Oh, he could be so productive. Yeah. So we spent we like built our own out of like a mm-hmm. old industrial unit. Yeah. And left it everything set up, and we'd go there every night, and that's yeah. that's basically why we became a band. That's in my next question, actually. Oh, okay. Jump me. Yeah, <laughs> jump me you often do. So you set up, so you kind of chat while you're setting up, and you kind of it almost sets the tone. You can you can see what moods people are in while while you're setting yeah. up. If somebody's in a grump or whatever, yeah. you'll know. Yeah. If your drummer's setting up and he's going, does time? He's come straight from work. Does <laughs> the time of when you're rehearsing have any 
influence do you think because in rehearsal rooms like generally like they'll have like slots right so you'll have the 9 till 12 slot the graveyard shift yep. or you might have the 6 till 9 slots like generally like 3 or 4 hour slots at a time yep. aren't they I remember we, we went for a phase of being in that really shitty place in Kentish Town and we were doing like 9 till midnight yeah and I don't, on a I Friday s- wasn't yeah, it yeah I swear we never did, achieved got, anything got anything good done because it By was that just point, the wrong time well, yeah we were thinking oh it's Friday we should be having yeah. fun yeah, and we were. I think we resented being there. Do you think we punished ourselves sometimes? Uh, <laughs> it felt like it. Yeah, it felt like we we oh, we'd we have need to go to, through the pain yeah. barrier to become a good band. Yeah, because there were times where you like, oh, I don't want to be doing it. Yeah. I, I want to be out, you know, chasing girls or you know, going clubbing or whatever. I remember once, I forget who it was, some old mate in the industry who, again, someone giving us advice, said that you need to put the hard graft in for this because if you think you're working hard guaranteed there's another band out there working harder than you and you need to put the work in and I think that we we work pretty hard in rehearsals but that always kind of stuck with you isn't it like kind of like it has to be kind of maybe sometimes we thought it was quantity over quality yep because I I always thought not that it was irrelevant how hard you work but it was that it, it's the inspiration rather than the perspiration yeah. that is what makes you a good band. It's the difference between yeah. That's an interesting question, isn't it? Because maybe that's part of the problems. Because I was definitely a kind of this. We need like to, the business as well. It's like you got to put the graft in. Yeah, to it's make about it how many hours you. It's about chug away at the same song. Yeah. Where in reality, I mean, yes, you have to do that to be to get tight and to kind of really hone your craft. Mm. But yeah, none of that matters if you haven't got that that song. Yeah. That, that has come from somewhere that you can channel that hard work into. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so it's a bit of both. It's like being a footballer, you have to have the talent, but you also have to put the work in. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the ones that make it are the ones who have, yeah, who have both. Because you, know, you hear these stories, oh, I've changed the subject to be football, but I probably could apply it to that. You hear these stories about these footballers that could have had it all, could have had it all but didn't put the work in, and then yep. other players that maybe weren't as good, but they put the effort in and the graft in. Danny Milner. <laughs> James Miller, yeah. Danny Mills, Gary yeah. Flitcroft, <laughs> Gary Neville, <laughs> Flitcroft, Neville. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there are others. Matt Target, Matty Target. He's Matty apparently his brother was a better footballer than him, but Matt Target put the effort in. Oh, there you go. That's empirical evidence, right Fact. there. Fact. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it's a weird kind of way of looking at it, isn't it? Like, because yeah, and I always say that the rehearsal rooms is like you're different ways of doing it. Some bands would go in there and just play their songs over and over again. Other times you would spend the time writing, but then you're trying to write in an absolute racket, and it's hard to yeah. communicate. I've as as a singer, I often found it like quite like really hard work. Like singing, I was like I was singing into a into the wind. You said into the it? wind, yeah, just into a wall of noise because we were always in practice rooms. This is before I just didn't I didn't like the earplug yeah. sensation. I couldn't yeah. get on board with that, so I wouldn't I wouldn't use them. And so I was deafening myself and getting a sore throat from trying to sing over the top of these badly mixed like yeah. wall of noise and it's, it was just impossible because when you it was just such the rooms weren't big enough were they because when you not, had the drums not for our drums like the thunder it was just yeah. it was difficult to mix that yeah until you start getting to bigger ones where it got a little bit better uh, over the crash cymbals it was just <laughs> did you find that the size of the room made a difference then yeah like, was it the there were some some practice rooms where we in bigger ones where we had monitors and it started to get a bit more kind of professional. Could you, and that was, was it, it was a much better experience, totally. Yeah, yeah. 
and we and we start getting better at mixing and it was more enjoyable then as soon, as soon as I could hear myself it was like oh yeah this is this is why I do it rather than mm. it being a a chore and a kind of real because effort a lot of bands as well make the mistake of lining up in a row like they're playing a gig when they're in rehearsal rooms yeah well, it's not conducive to hearing yourself no well is it but sometimes we would pretend we'd do gig conditions wouldn't we and we'd, sometimes we'd do gig conditions we'd turn yeah. all the lights off and pretend it was yeah. <laughs> put on intro music and pretend it was a gig well it's, you know, we'd be playing a show and stuff wouldn't it it yeah. wouldn't make any difference when it came to actually <laughs> play the gig because yeah, everything was so different yeah but we still <clears throat> still enjoyed it yeah uh, so I want to look back at some different rehearsals. You've yep. obviously you spoke about built our own. How did that yep. come across? What was that about? So that that was the ve- that was the very start of us trying to kind of take it seriously, wasn't it? So we were in High Wycombe, and it was the summer, mm-hmm. and we decided to really give this a go. We were like, this is what we want to do. Let's do it properly. Yep. And so we soundproofed this this room, a warehouse, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah like a, a little, little industrial industrial unit. unit. Soundproofed it, set it all up. And we went there every night after work or mm-hmm. whatever we were doing. We made it a rule, didn't we, that we were going to go every evening? Yeah, every week, every weeknight. That, yeah. was, that was the rule. And like most of us were working shitty jobs in supermarkets and stuff. Because mm-hmm. this must have been... Do you remember there was that summer when we were, we were both at Sainsbury's? The summer of discontent. Yeah. That was before we'd done that, I assume. I assume we've had it for a while before that. Because we used to practice in your front room, didn't we? During that yeah. phase, maybe that's because we couldn't be able to walk to the. Anyway, mm. yeah, but we we would we were disciplined. We went there every night, and that was like late Reagan era, wasn't it? And then early fans of Kate. It was, like, it, was the, Kate. it was the beginnings of fans of Kate, wasn't it? Yeah, because I distinctly remember us writing a song called the Doo Doo <laughs> Keep Warm the Doo Doo song in there, and this is when I just just started to be the singer, and I remember. I was just sort of kind of I think I was trying to write a guitar like a guitar riff I was do-doing along to a guitar riff and then everyone was like no no that's it keep that just mm. just sing it like that and it was one of the few times we kind of jammed the song came out pretty quick yeah out of a jam mm. so we weren't really jammers we were in those days but mm. we later became non, non-jammers but yeah, but just the the freedom that that having that rehearsal space, the fact you, it was all set up, so you just start, you just plug in and play, mm-hmm. that makes such a difference. And the fact it was, I suppose, our, because it was ours, we could write stuff on the walls and like put up. Can you remember actually making it? The building process, uh, the agony that was the building process, should I say? Yeah. Well, there was there was some alpha males and some. Uh, <laughs> Beta males, they didn't know what they were doing, and I was definitely in that yeah. second category. I remember going there before Christmas when everyone else had gone home to spend a weekend drilling holes into the. Because we couldn't afford it, so we didn't have enough wood to create the proper, like, joists, kind of like to, to have the plasterboard. So we'd have to kind of like do little sections of it to get it all up as well. And all these, like, freezing fucking cold, it took. Because we were like bodging it together, it took a couple of three months to kind of get it all up. And done, and a lot of it was held together by gaffer tape. <laughs> but it was a proper like. Was oh it yeah, it was proper DIY. But, but yeah, but it, it was it was sound soundproof, and it yeah. worked. It worked a treat. And it what was called pu- that stuff, the thingy wall. What's that called, Freddie? Sorry. That thingy wall where it's like um, itchy. If it gets in your eyes. Oh yeah. Soundproofing. So you're having like Rock your loft wolf? and stuff. Yeah, it's not that bad insulation, isn't it? Yeah, we had all that all over like the kind of walls and the ceiling. That spongy stuff. Yeah. 
everywhere yeah. and we spent the time like building that and J- I remember Jamie spent the time building a ladder out of old pallets <laughs> that we never used and as soon as he stood on it it fell apart <laughs> like a little boy it was like having a little kid in the room that like wanted to kind of like build stuff like yeah. his dad but like was like playing builder yeah good time though yeah because that, I think we didn't we we were kind of had a vague connection to this band called the Cooper Temple Claws who were big in the yep mid well early noughties yeah and they were kind of a big deal and they let us use their rehearsal room for like a couple of days yeah while we were doing some recording I think and we we saw their room I think and they had all the lyrics up and everything it was proper like it felt like a band epicenter a hub hasn't it? and I think that's what kind of yeah got us off our asses and we did it but it was cool like just writing you know all the stuff we we had like a list of people that we hate, had vendettas against didn't we I can't remember we did and all the albums that were, we were listening to at the time and Alan did like funny drawings and stuff yeah. I remember he had a draw like this is the, this is what is at the end of your bed and it was like a picture of some weird animal yeah. we, wasn't it also like we, would we ever hang out in there I can't remember where we used to hang out yeah, in there yeah we'd get drunk in there we'd, from time to time, we'd, but... we'd also heard we called demos in there wouldn't we as well yeah yeah and I distinctly one of my strongest visions of that rehearsal room that we built ourselves was when we were auditioning new singers yeah. for uh, what later became Fans of Kate this is before I stuck my hand up and said I'll do it and this guy <laughs> this guy turned up and I think were you, were you even there? there was a definitely time where I was playing drums for some reason while he sang, a, he sang we, along. we did a cover of uh, Last Night by The Strokes yeah and he was it was awful, and he'd come all the way from like painful. Yeah, he'd come from Northampton or something. We'd put an advert in the enemy, and he turned up and he said, "Right, do you, do you mind if I play one of my songs?" No, oh. and it was like, well, as much as you all kind of looking at each other, and bless him, like, you know, he did his yeah, not to patronise him, he done his, he done his best, but it was uh, it was fucking rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and you all looking at each other, you know, oh, he's come all this way. What are we going to say? And yeah. it was just like, well, well, we'll speak to you soon. <laughs> we'll give you a call. And he got off. Got on his train. Uh, off he went. Off he went. Yeah. But yeah, some good well, we times. Made, we actually there. made a really good friend, though, didn't we? From who? Our friend Mark Nilsson. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. And he came to audition. He came to audition, and he was really good. That was the that was the difference. And he was kind of thinking about leaving. He was in a band, and he yeah. was thinking about yeah secretly leaving yeah. his band. And he was really good, but I don't, for some reason, did he change his mind, or did he, we? He changed his mind. Yeah. yeah, I think he decided to stay with them. Yeah, they were really good. <laughs> A band called 50 Hertz. If you, I don't know if you can find any of their stuff online. It's not on Spotify. I wish it was. Hello. My name is Bernard, 2001. You might recognise me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him. Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints, and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Old Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. out mother crushes but yeah 
they went on to be on the soundtrack. Yeah, that was years and years ago, and we're still friends with him now. We don't really see him anymore, do we? But no. we. But he, yeah, I mean, he's purely friends based on that off, off, that off one, chance meeting yeah. where he came. Yeah. But he's very, very talented guy. Uh, so, also there was like all different rooms, but it was like a different dynamic, wasn't it? When you're paying for someone to be in their business, like basically their business was to re- rent out rehearsal rooms. It was like you're on the yes, clock. Yes, then that changes the whole dynamic because then you, there's that feeling of, well, we've got to get something done. We've, we've been here. Yeah, we paid for this now. We paid our 50 quid for and, three hours. And then, yeah, and then suddenly when you're jamming this riff over and over again, yeah. getting going nowhere and you're thinking, got to achieve something here so then you think oh we'll just go for the set what about (laughs) just to achieve something because we would often rehearse like the Monday this is probably fans New Adventures I can't remember what it was New Adventures I think Monday we'd rehearse all day Wednesday we'd pay for it all yep fucking that's expensive and then in the King's Cross yeah the King's Cross place there's quite a posh place yep it it was a different experience wasn't it when you'd, you'd, you'd be there all day Yes, because you came in fresh in the morning, yeah, which is a whole new dynamic. We'd never done that before. That was like mm. more. It felt proper because you were in a really good room, yeah. And coming in in the daytime, in the like daytime the with a coffee, feeling like ready to, yeah. You know, by lunchtime you were fucked yeah. and you, yeah, you're over it. <laughs> you, you're over it. But I often remember that morning being like you, you're full of. Do you think that's where you got most, bigger. Of it, most of it done? Most of the good work done. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Then so, you'd have a crash after lunch, and then you'd probably then have another peak in the like, afternoon. You'd do your songwriting, you'd record it all, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, yeah. I feel like we've got good stuff out of that, but I, you know, it's hard to know. Looking back, it's probably yeah, no correlation with that. But yeah. I remember feeling like being, you know, getting on the tube and thinking, "This is my job." Oh, here we go. I'm, yeah, I'm a musician. I'm a proper musician. I'm practicing in the morning. Ooh. Of course, real musicians were well, that's coming the, coming that's down. Literally, like, well, it's not my next question, but it's on there. Is uh, what. Can you remember different famous musicians? Because that place was like a, quite a hub, wasn't it? Of like oh, well, musicians. That, that was high end stuff there. That was like proper, wasn't it? You were getting into sort of B list celebrities in that place. Yeah. So who would you see? Do you remember? Well, I remember the Hoosiers. <laughs> Talking of the big, the big guns. The yeah. Hoosiers used to practice in the room next to us and they. We just seemed to do that one drum beat. They played. This was hours. before they'd had their breakthrough hit, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and they would play that one we would just we would be, only be able to hear the drums we'd hear the same yeah. drum beat going you know for a full day while we were practicing and we were like who the fuck are these and why are they doing this yeah. and then like a few but, months later but then you suddenly they're on TV all their, their songs sounded this, like that well so yeah if they could have been playing the whole, the whole, whole album's worth but it felt like they were playing that Goodbye Goodbye Mr A yeah. is that the big hit that's all you could hear like eight hours they certainly got a sound and they would have been there for like weeks wouldn't they and they were, you know, hammering at it. And I guess that fed into that, it's the hard work that pays off sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Because clearly they had a record deal on people behind them. Yeah. And then, then the next minute they were on Top of the Pops and they mm. were on, yeah. you know, talking to Fern Cotton on whatever the Saturday morning TV show was. And you'd be like, oh, well, there you go. Oh. And all off the back of that one yeah. song. But they were always very complimentary to us. They were always popping their head in saying, oh, it sounds great out here. Yeah. What do they know? What do they know? Yeah. Okay. Who's he is? Anyone else you think of? Uh, well, Baby Shambles were. Uh, mm-hmm. That's Pete Doherty's. And he was the opposite project. of the hard work, wasn't he? Yeah, he was never there. Yeah, was I remember the band would always get there, <laughs> yep. and then he would turn up about three or four hours later, and then leave after about an hour. Yep. 
That's the Pete Doherty way, isn't it? Yeah, so he was the opposite of hard work. Yeah, he was all about the inspiration. Yeah. I'm not sure where he got that inspiration from. Some, some sort yeah. of... I saw him with some sort of... I remember <laughs> watching the Mystery Jets through the window. Oh, yeah, Mystery Jets, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he was sitting on a sofa um, and obviously demoing or something because he was the only one in the room and I used to look in the window and he'd be, like, singing into his microphone, into his laptop. Yeah. I wish... Because uh, I wasn't that into them at the time. I think no. if I'd been... Because I really like them now. Yeah. Go, that's one of those moments when I watch my videotape of my life. Mm. I'll go back and see yeah. what song they were playing. Yeah. Because I bet it was one of those good ones. Probably, yeah. That, was that around yeah. the second album? Here, oh, it must have been about that, yeah. yeah. It was quite a while ago. The Laura Morin. Yeah. Morin one. So, yeah, there used to be the... Um, Razor Light. <laughs> yep. So we have to remember this is in the indie landfill years oh, yeah, of the early noughties bands. when you just had to be a man with a guitar to. Uh... Yeah. By the way, on, on that sub- subject, do you see Little Man Tate are reforming? Oh, they really? <laughs> 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 Yes, they are. I just yeah. saw that phrase. Like, I, I read the comments because I was like, does anybody want this? Is anybody excited about Little Man Tate coming back? Yeah. Because they were like friends with. They were from Sheffield and they were mm. mates with the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. They? That was their whole thing. That was their whole story. We know the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, sure. That was their whole career, yeah. but apparently, plenty of people were excited yeah. about their reunion. Oh, good! But that yeah. was our era, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, Hope of the States. Yeah, remember seeing them? They they had quite a big setup, didn't they? As well. Yeah. Well, they had a violin player, so you've got to get the sound right if you got a violin player. Yeah. And I remember him. One of the guitarists, the new guitarist, came mm. out and said, "Please buy our single." <laughs> I got. I really got the impression because they they onto their second album by that point, and their first album had. They had a lot of money yeah. ploughed into their first one. I yeah. don't think it had sold as money sold as many as they'd hoped. And then the second one was like Last Chance Saloon. And he was like, I think the single had come out and he was like, please buy it. And I don't think anyone did because no. they were disappeared without trace. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh-huh. yeah, it was fun when it seemed like bands that kind of like, you know, people have heard of. Like, in well, yeah, bands ones. that you're reading about in the magazines mm. and then you're next to them. Yeah. And you kind of made you almost feel like. Peers, yeah. but it did it did feel like a scene that London scene at that time when it it was when boys with guitars were kind of still felt culturally relevant. And yeah, they're all like playing with their hair. Yeah, of course they were. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually I was asking Matt the other day about that. Actually, do you think that any boy with a guitar will make a sort of culturally culturally relevant album? Again, I, well, you know, like how Oasis and then Arctic Monkeys are probably the like, you know, that's Ed a. Sheeran l- is literally a boy in a guitar. Yeah, no, but like a band, like a band in there. Oh. Someone yeah, not course. not a pop kind of. Yes. You don't think rock is no. Okay, on that level. Yep. That sort of scale. Yep. It will happen. Yep. Okay. Well, that, that it's just you. like a cycle thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, everything goes in cycles. I don't know. I I just feel like that whole white boys with guitars. Oh, it's finished. Well, it just feels like so un- deeply unfashionable now. Mm. But I suppose that's fashion, isn't it? It'll, yeah. it'll come running and it will yeah. suddenly be fashionable again. But yeah, just at the moment, it feels kind of so dated mm. almost. But maybe that's because I'm looking back at 2003 constantly. <laughs> Surely but there's that, loads of men in bands that are playing their guitars. Well, there are loads, yeah, but none of them seem to have captured that zeitgeist like... No, I suppose maybe. I think this is coming from watching Supersonic and the oh, scale. Alt J. Yeah, but 
Oh, you're talking the, about the scale the of scale that? The scale of that. Like, yeah. you, know, you know how being many people on, applied... BB, being on, okay, being on, like, BBC News yeah, if your album's yeah, come out. Yeah, exactly. Up, people queuing up, up for Be Here Now, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. It will point. happen again. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often, but it, no. every now and then it happens. When it gets into the news. If it gets into six o'clock news, you know you're kind of, that, like, yeah, transcended. You've yeah, you've captured the zeitgeist or whatever. Mm. But just watching that Supersonic documentary again just made me think... At the time, you don't appreciate how significant that is, but... Mm. How many people applied for Nebworth tickets? Mm. Like uh, as a percentage of the country. I know. It was that's like mad, isn't it? Yeah, it was mad. And that's just like five five blocks for guitars. How right many pop rock bands like Coldplay? Let's say. How do they rehearse? Are they rehearsing? Are they like mm. hiring out Brixton Academy to rehearse, or are they, they probably are they do, do got that a rehearsal room in like Chris Martin's ba- basement? I I think they've got. Uh, for what they have a place in Belsize Park they've probably got an HQ they've got an HQ with like rehearsal room set up I reckon offices but I I think bands like that probably do hire out a big venue to practice their live all their production yeah to test out the biodynamics and everything Uh, but I imagine with them he's it's quite a specific example because he writes all the songs doesn't he and I guess he comes with songs and says Mm. right this is the song this is the sound I'm after yeah. come up with your parts I think everyone's different aren't they because you know yeah. when Embrace they rehearse at Rick's studio yeah mainly I guess I don't know if they ever go in a, I can't imagine they go to a rehearsal room so they must do it all no. there but the other thing they've got it's like kind of well produced isn't it because the yeah, drums are in a different room and sounds they, good straight away yeah the guitars are away so you can kind of put it all through the speakers and that must affect the sound of the song because things like singing into a wall of noise are going to yeah. affect how, what melody you come up with or whatever yeah you might make it sort of sing in a different key because you're trying to sing over the... This is 100%. Some of our songs are only in the pitch that they are because it was trying to get over the top of... The noise, yeah. Some, <laughs> some cool. Do you think that the band like that, that are rehearsing in the recording studio, basically, that when it actually comes to playing live, it's a different vibe. The sound is so different yeah. when you're live. Yeah. They use it, obviously, in monitors and make a difference as well, but... Like, do, would you say they have to play a, a warm-up gig to see how it sounds, or do they just go out and just play? I don't know how that would work. I think because they do, they've got a history of doing little, yeah, little gigs. Yeah. Which Coldplay, we're still talking about here. I was embraced, embraced, yeah. yeah, probably the similar, similar vibe. I think they like to do a little intimate test, road test the songs and see how it goes, see how it goes, yeah, yeah. and then maybe go back to them and kind of make some adjustments here or there. That's what I like in a dream scenario. That's what you'd. What what's, you do? What's the worst thing about being in a rehearsal room? Like, <sighs> anything you think? Oh, oh back to, in it. smell. To me, it's the dark, dank. Well, it's that having a sore throat and kind of try, still trying to sing. Yeah. But also, it's the arguments. It's that fucking tension. I feel it now. Those, those that just musical, the cliche of musical differences is so so real. I remember just sitting there completely tense. You've had an argument over a drum beat or something. Like one of you thinks it should be faster, one thinks it's slower, and no, no one's backing down, and it's, everyone's tense. And then you see, then you see the dynamic be- between people. All these like pent up tensions that might have been there come out into this just a very small thing. And ego, egos get into it. You know, this is my song, which should sound like this. Blah blah blah. And it's just that t- I'm, you know, I'm one of these people who just tries to avoid confrontation at all all costs but then there are times when it yeah is unavoidable and there, there it is and you just oh you want you just want it to be over they're, they're the bits that 
that's the worst part of it to me. You, yeah. I can deal with the smells, light and the dinginess, darkness. There, there were day, yeah, there were days where you didn't see daylight all all day. Yeah. And it is a bit fucking weird, but yeah. I can deal with that. If 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 we're making music and having fun, mm. it's not a problem, is it? What sort of people would work there? <laughs> we're on the rosaries because it's always uh, like a certain type wasn't it yeah like, how can you remember the kind of characters for want of a better phrase goblins <laughs> rock goblins rock goblins they're always tended to be from the heavy metal side of things yeah because they're the kind of people who, te- who if no one was there they'd be whittling away on their guitar wouldn't they and yeah. kind of testing out the amps they're all like ageing techie, guy- techie types ageing guys that have also got dyed their hair black or something yeah 100% Gothy, gothy metalers were, were the rule, or people with no teeth. They were quite <laughs> sometimes, sometimes both. Yeah. There were a lot of sort of that yeah. Irish, Irish guy from uh, yeah, no, no rock. There's a guy rock. called Rocking Rock Tooth. <laughs> he didn't call himself that, to be fair. Yeah, but he yeah. It was always blokes that played in bands, wasn't yeah, it? They were yeah, in that always. Scene, but always like always. And it's like it's like our our secondary job out of you know we didn't become rock stars so we ran a clothes shop yeah. their second I'm sure they thought they were going to be rock stars and mm. next rung down the ladder for them was rehearsal studio yeah employee employee it meant they were still around music and kind of could yeah bands and consider stuff, themselves and... part of the industry I guess yeah still you know they loved to banter like when you came up for a, a beer or a coffee or yeah. whatever they'd banter with you about this they'd always they'd want to tell you a story about who they'd yeah played with or whatever and yeah Mess Cafe Coffee yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. There was always shit coffee. Was like, all... Maybe it's different now. Maybe they've upped their game coffee-wise. So I haven't been in one for a, mm. for a good while. Remember um, in the King's Cross one, there was that woman. The, yeah. <laughs> the sexy milf. <laughs> yeah. Well, we went back... The last time we were back was only... A couple of years ago. Yeah. A couple of years ago. She was, she was there and you had, a, you had a good old flirt again, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> took, a, took a bottle of the shower. Do you remember me? Yeah, she did remember him, though, to be fair, listeners. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, we've been, we touched a little bit of the band dynamic. Um, why do you think it is that everything comes up like that? Is because it's so intense? Or yeah, I think because it it depends on people's mood going in. It's, it's the ego, I think, and this is the cause of most arguments in all uh, yeah. parts of life. I think so, no no one likes being told what to do, no. especially in an environment. It's also that this you, kind of you 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 believe in your what you're saying. You believe that you're yeah right. yeah. And it, it's, it, I suppose if it's something like art, where there is no, it's, there's no real right or wrong answer. It's not f- maths. It's not a fact. If you if you've got two people with different opinions, mm-hmm. as we often did, like we were all listening to different music, so we wanted it to sound like different things. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, you know. So it, essentially, it's who's going to back down, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And you try. I remember loads of times where we try a song two different ways to try and, yeah. and then it comes out like. You're essentially having a vote yeah. on like who prefers it this way, and yeah. then it, you know, it's a popularity contest. Are you, are you doing it because it's the song, or do you prefer that guy? So you, yeah. can you see you how that? you can see how people in bands split up? Oh, totally. It might, probably point. most of the arguments are in rehearsal rooms, I reckon. Yeah, that must be number one place because gi- gigs, you, you know, you kind of you're a unified and there's people watching it's, it's di- it's yeah there's an audience that's yeah. why it's so important because it's such a different yeah, dynamic you're right you're as, soon, as soon as somebody else who isn't in the band comes into a practice room it totally, totally changes totally changes straight away you're either trying to impress them or you, you, hold, you just hold back because you don't want to embarrass yourself yeah. or whatever or yeah. speak freely 
Well, certainly we we didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are bands who didn't don't give a fuck, and would still row in front of uh, strangers. But we we certainly wouldn't. We we would go into our shell and just because we went for a phase where our manager would come and. Uh, would want to listen to all the jamming and all the songs we were trying and, yeah. and then then there was a kind of yeah don't really like it you, you'd have been we'd have been working on this song all day yeah. and you come up with this fucking thing we thought was genius and yeah. you'd come and go it's alright he'd do that Alan Partridge we had just revamp current we affairs how many hours of tape we'd have at the end of it where you played and you're trying to pull things together and you listen to all these tape after like hours of recordings yeah. and well, he would, in those days we'd have tape didn't we to yep. record on yep some some people are of the jam. Uh, if you keep talking, persuasion. Are we? Right. Keep talking. <laughs> Freddie, do you want to come on? Sorry, guys. Come I need to do a wee. He, I mean, he can edit this out of the podcast, but oh, for, <laughs> but for the uh, Facebook live watchers, you're just getting me. Oh, so I'm on Freddie. So, well, actually, you. you I mean, Freddie yeah. is a very accomplished drummer. Oh, very. And also man of best day. So you're in yep. a perfect position to talk I've about I've been this. in bands. What are your favourite rehearsal room experiences? What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? Um, I've been in a few different ones in my time. Uh, mainly was my bedroom for a number of years. Really? Yeah. Had a kit set up in my bedroom. Uh, every Monday night, me and the guys used to get together. Uh, like looking back now, we definitely took the piss in terms of playing late, playing loud. Couldn't do it now. Did your parents complain? No, they were, you know, as, as supportive as any parent would be. But, you know, my neighbours used to say, oh, you know, that sounded really good. Whereas really they're saying, Shut we up. can hear you. Yeah. That's um, the point here. But yeah. Between the lines. So were you, like, were you playing the drum pads? Oh, God, no, no. Was full, full, full kit? Full shabam, yeah. Full kit wanker. <laughs> full kit wanker. Um, but where else? Uh, upstairs at a pub, the the Swan in Ipswich. Because mm-hmm. uh, Carnell, our singer, was from Ipswich, so we used to take it in turns. So everyone would come around mine on a Monday, and then I can't remember when we used to go there. I think we just took it in turns. Like, so you like, never had like paid rehearsal rooms? Like. We used to, but you know it's expensive, isn't it? And really expensive. It all adds up, and if if you've got the the space to do it, then just do it. Um, we actually got a lot more from acoustic rehearsals, I think. I think, yeah. A lot noise, of the time. When you're songwriting, yeah, why not just can, do it acoustic? Um, kind of confuse you a little bit, whereas, yeah, strip it back. But working at, uh, rehearsing at a pub used to be good fun, because obviously you'd go down and get a pint. Uh, we'd used mm. to get a Chinese afterwards. It, yeah, listening to you guys, how hard you worked, we were pretty uh, chilled in terms of once a week. I, don't know. I always wonder whether or not that was the right thing to do. Or that not. you overkilled it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Alex used to get together on a Friday and just talk band stuff, work on songs, the the boring admin side of being in a band, sorting out videos. Because uh, we used to do all of our own videos, just because why not? Well, that's the thing. Did did we by practicing too much take the fun out of it? We often you probably made this. it a, you, a job, really, didn't you? Yeah. You lo- lost sight of why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. And you kind of. We were very career careerist, I guess. This is this is going to be our job. So this is we we have to work hard. We have to do it every night. Yeah, and that's not how inspiration works, really. Well, it's how. We but it doesn't work your, once a week either. I with suppose. your songwriting, isn't it? It's like how you would say, "Right, you got to write songs in this day." Yeah, it's your job. Tuesdays. To write songs in this day. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, once money came into it and I, felt yeah. I was being essentially paid to write songs on a Tuesday, I felt like, well, I've got to come up with something. I can't Does just sit in, my, happy? sit in my pants all day. Yeah. I mean, you can write songs in your pants. That's, that's not really pants, the issue. Sitting in my pants. But the point is, I felt like I had to come up with something and that's probably not the best circumstances to be inspired in, looking back, but you don't, it's all a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure that's what professionals are doing, aren't they? How they're writing, like, how you're trying to write for a new album, this is your job, when are you going to do yeah. it? Yeah, and you've probably been set a deadline. We need the new album out by this yeah. this time. Well, but how, how are you going to do it? Otherwise, you've got to sit there on a date how, time, I guess. And how to deal with that pressure? I mean, that's, I'd love to talk to somebody about how they... Yeah. When they've got a proper big record company demands on them. And they've had a good first album, and it's... Yeah, you, you, you've got to repeat that trick. See you around, Yeah. <laughs> Freddie Cantley, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, can, should we move on to Band for Life? Let's let's do it. Well, I think we've discussed yeah. rehearsal rooms thoroughly. Yeah. yeah. So this is our regular feature, Band for Life. So, do you want me to explain the concept? Oh yeah, because I always forget this. Yeah, go on. If you, this is your first listen. Uh, what have you been doing? Enjoy the back catalogue. Uh, but we ask a listener to contribute two bands. One that they would listen to for life. They're banned for life. It's, they could listen to that just that one band or artist for the rest of time and still be still enjoy it. And then another artist or band who they would erase from existence. So they wouldn't, you know, they're not killing them, but their music wouldn't exist. So hit me with. So um, I've got a message from um, a, someone we know, a friend of ours, um, but he's a regular listener. Mm-hmm. His name is John, um, and he messaged me to say that he'd been listening to the podcast. Um, and what did he say? Is this I, bef- I imagine he said he's thoroughly enjoying it. He did. He said you're the best one, Steve, out of it. <laughs> uh, what did he say? Bloody, I've lost it now. Oh, um, I've been listening to your podcasts. There's some really cool people on there, so you must be listening <laughs> to the ones that we've been interviewing. A couple oh, of right, oh, okay. Um, and I think it will be helping more people than you know. Oh, that's, that's how we nice. started, and I was like, oh, that's really nice because that's nice to hear. Yeah, and that's the whole point. Like, isn't it? I hope that's true. Um, so anyway, I asked him as we we chat a little bit about it, and I asked him to give me his band for life. Mm-hmm. So and he has, okay. and a reasoning behind. So he's given me mm. Jack. Garrett, mm-hmm. red hot chili peppers. Right. Well, this is going to be hard because I don't know who Jack Garrett is. Who? Didn't, can you tell can me a little t- bit about Jack Garrett? Give, <laughs> me, gonna, give, me, give me a minute to Google it. <laughs> I'm going to assume because I haven't heard of him, he can't hate. That's, yeah. So I think I've Jack Garrett. I've used this for this yeah. process before. I didn't know he hated the chili peppers, but I'm going to say that that's who he's going to ban. Okay. And what would you? Yeah. Yes. Correct. Um, would you like me to read the chili yeah, peppers that, bit or the Jack Garrett? Uh, bit? Give me the Jack. I, I enjoy the negative more, so save that. Save that for a second. So tell me about Jack Garrett because I don't know who that is. 
For starters, I just love his music. Mm-hmm. But more than his music, it reminds me of both the best and worst moments in my life. And any music that conjures such powerful emotions mean you're always going to have a strong affinity to it. His song, Weathered, was the first dance at my wedding three and a half years ago, which is obviously a very happy memory. But that is tempered by the bittersweet memory of the time I played it to my mum, who was slowly dying around that time. We weren't sure she would make the wedding, so as a result, about six weeks before, I played her that song so she could hear what the first dance would be. I was extremely nervous about playing it to her, as if you know the song, the lyrics are extremely beautiful, but also talk about his heart stopping beating and his blood, blood turning cold. I held my breath pretty much all the way through as my mum listened to it, and after it finished... After it finished, she just looked at me and told me with a smile that it was beautiful. She did end up making the wedding to, uh, to, to the part of the wedding, sorry. I saw Jack play live not that long ago, as he was touring his second album, which is brilliant, by the way. And he actually spent as much time talking about his struggles with mental health as he did playing music. I've struggled myself with my own dark thoughts and voices, as a lot of people do. So it's amazing to hear someone open up about it in public. Um, blah, blah, blah. but also in an honest and also quite funny times as well we spoke about this, what we just spoke about but he just said about struggling with the success of his first album and having all the pressures that came with trying to live up to that I would have gone for Bon Jovi but that's too obvious <laughs> uh, uh, anyway yeah so there okay well I'm going to have to go and listen to yeah well I was obviously at that wedding I know and I, yeah. I can't remember the song but I go and I'll certainly go and listen to him now. So yeah, it makes sense. You know, we said about how it's, like, it's, it's got it's the emotional, emotional attachment, isn't it? Yeah, totally. A period in your life that resonates specifically with an album or a song mm. that you've. And most people have said that they don't just go, "This is my band for life because they're wicked." This is my band for life. They're yeah. band for life because it's, yeah. it's generally kind of like it's got a the emotional attachment. An emotional attachment, which yeah. is what most. And I think it's fair enough, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, it seems like. That's what we want to hear with these things. It's like it's, it's genuine passion for, yeah. not just yeah, I like that song. Drums are good yeah. <laughs> on it or whatever. But yeah, but that's fine it too. makes sense. What you know, we're just speaking about the pressures that come with like writing your second album and stuff. I reckon there's a lot of people, musicians as well, that go through these kind of issues and these journeys and these. Well, there's a whole. I suppose you've got not just the pressure of, for your career, but there's people, the record company, and then the, the rest of your band or whatever that people's lives are kind of dependent on you mm. and and your inspiration uh, that's yeah I can't I struggled enough with coming up with the first <laughs> trying to kickstart <laughs> kickstart a career so god knows okay and in the bin good old red hot chilli peppers they seem they come up a they lot in this like, don't they yeah, they do they're, they're Marmite aren't they? they they seem to be what, what's, what's his reason um, I've never been a huge fan of their work probably down to Flea's step and repeat bass line in every song <laughs> and the fact that my sister used to fancy Anthony Kiedis when we mm. were kids and being a stereotypical brother I disliked anything my sister liked out mm-hmm. of principle mm-hmm. that's fair enough sounds familiar however my true hatred for them arose at university and after my flatmate who is known for going through committed fads like only drinking rum and coke for six months because <laughs> R. Kelly's song Ignition <laughs> He played the album, by the way, uh, by the way, yeah, on repeat for a whole year. Okay. 
that you live with him. That it was, was akin it. to being psychologically tortured by the US military. Mm-hmm. Since then, every, Very since then, whenever I hear a Red Hot Chili Pepper song, it makes me want to rip my own ears off. Mm-hmm. Except for Under the Bridge, which is a banger. <laughs> So, uh, John, well, you're also going to be losing that song. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the concept. Mm. If you like one of their songs, you that's the price. To... That's the price you pay, isn't it? But yeah, the, I think it's because the under the bridge does. Ta- you know, that's obviously about real. You know, drug addiction and all that. Boom, boom, kind boom, boom. <laughs> but so many of the lyrics seem like gibberish. Maybe yeah. I mean I haven't looked read up on it. I did. I did enjoy his uh, autobiography, Scar Tissue. That's actually. Yeah. Full well, of interesting did, stories. They, they were in in my band for life, weren't they? Oh yeah, you went the other other way with yeah. them. I wouldn't pick them actually, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was just trying to fool me. Which works in hindsight, I regret that now. Yeah, well, but, we can do another proper one at some yeah. point. Okay. Uh, but yeah, interesting, wasn't it? Like yeah, again, That's it's good. all like he's, emotional. He's clearly, yeah, he's clearly thought about that. That was yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, if anyone wants to send us in their band for life and in the bin for life. Um, you can do you can email steve at bestdaysvintage.co.uk or you can DM us and tell us, say you want to do it on Instagram yeah on all the socials just search for best days vintage all one word you'll find us on all the big ones yeah. and do go onto our website where we are selling our failed rock star club merchandise yep which is best yeah bestdaysvintage.co.uk um, yeah and so again this podcast is about um, mental health positive well-being and people's journey in music and I kind of think we've covered that today eh? yeah and I think just during these lockdown times just having some nice friendly background noise I think is important for people a lot of people yeah. message and say oh they listen to it while they're you know mowing the lawn or baking or whatever and- uh, oh actually I saw I bumped into Cleo Sue Mason's daughter mm-hmm. and she was actually listening to the podcast when I bumped into her well and she hadn't, she hadn't come across the, your talk of Sue Mason. All right. Well, apologies in advance if you get to that bit. Yeah. So, but it was, it was all complimentary. So. It was, yeah. But yeah, she agreed that she fancies you. So. <laughs> good. Uh, good to yeah. hear. So it was she nice goes to she, show people, you don't have to be good looking. But it was nice that she was listening to it. It was, that is nice. Yeah, I was chuffed when I heard good. when she said that. Uh, well. So yeah, I think that's kind of wrapping it up. So yeah, um, I hope everyone's okay. Uh, and yeah, don't forget you can p- probably should follow us, and yeah. you can sign up to mailing list, and we're going to send stuff through. And do get in touch because we're all about you know we we want to speak to you. We want you know we want to kind of keep connecting with you even though we can't see you per se. Just just you know reach out. Okay. Love you. See you Bye. around.